back to Chaos Cast, the Chaos Community Podcast, where we share use cases and experiences with measuring open source community health. On the panel today are Sean Gargans, Michael Nolan, Kali Dolphy, Yehui Wang, and Georg Link. The topic for today is building on top of chaos software. In this episode, we are introducing the chaos software Augur and Remore Lab and talking about three examples that have been built on top of this software. Let's start with a round of introductions so the audience gets to know each of us. Sean, would you like to kick us off? Hi, I'm Sean Goggins. Nice to see you all here on the podcast one of the maintainers for the Augur project and co-founders of Chaos, and really glad to be here. Yui Wang, let's talk about Yui. Hello, everyone. My name is Yui. I come from China, and I'm working in Chaos for over two years, and currently I'm mainly focused on the metrics model working group. And meanwhile, I'm also built SaaS platform called OSS Compass based on the Chaos metrics model and the Grim Lab. Hey, I hand over to Michael. Hi, everyone. I'm Mike Nolan. I'm the Associate Director of Open at RIT, which is the Rochester Institutes of Technology Open Source Program Office. So I work in an academic institution supporting any and all kinds of open work being developed, whether it's open source software, open data sets, and all other types of open works. So my background is I'm a, I like to say I'm a recovering software developer and budding social scientist, and I'm excited to talk a bit about our involvement with the chaos community. So I'll pass it off to Callie now. Hello, my name is Callie Dolphy, and I am a senior data scientist at Red Hat in their open source program office. I am the creator of Project Aspen, and specifically the 8.0 project is built on top of Augur. And so I've been working directly with the Chaos community for a couple of years now. Thank you, everyone, for introducing yourselves. My name is Georg Link. I am the director of sales at Biturgia, co-founder of the Chaos Project, governing board member, and I of the software most closely associated with the Grimola project. So I'll be talking about that today. So let's get started on what the chaos software is, the Augur and Grimola project. We started chaos in 2017 and started with these two projects. The Grimola project I can introduce real quick was donated by Biturgia. It's been built on Biturgia's 15 plus year history, creating tool set to analyze open source projects and getting metrics. And then it was re-architected to be built on a NoSQL database with a dashboarding solution at the time built on Kibana and Elasticsearch so that the Grimola project could focus on getting insights from the data and less time spending working on building visualizations or writing queries, because that is already taken care of by the open source dashboarding solution this is built on top. 
So Grimoire Lab is really focused on creating high quality data sets and giving full flexibility to the users to explore that data in a graphical user interface. So Grimoire Lab also supports more than 30 different data sources over the many years. Many users have requested different community platforms that open source projects use to get all that data in one platform and to see where the community is working, how it's working, what the processes are. And for that to really shine and give a good overview of the community, a central piece is tool we call Sorting Hat. Sorting Hat is the identities manager in Grimoire Lab, where we combine all of the different identities someone has across the different platforms. We can have different usernames on GitHub versus mailing lists. We can use different email addresses. We can use our personal email, our work email, and we can, in Grimoire Lab Sorting Hat, combine all of those and say, hey, this is actually the same person so that we can see the trajectory of someone through the community and the many different platforms the community spread across. There's probably a lot more. For now, this is a good overview. And let's contrast this with Augur, which was a new project that started right around the time of the chaos project and really built from the ground up at the time with all the knowledge and insights that we have been creating in chaos. Sean, do you want to share that story and how Augur works today? Sure. Yeah. Augur was born on January 5th, 2017. So slightly predates the chaos project. And I confess, I don't remember how or why that happened. I guess Matt German Prey, my collaborator and partner in crime here, and I probably started thinking about this before chaos got created. It's all I can figure, but I have no recollection of why it exists before the chaos meeting in March of that year. So Augur, I think, in, you know, if you want to contrast it with Grimoire Lab, I think you could say that Augur is built on a relational database instead of NoSQL and is largely data engineering tool. And not that we haven't had front ends, but over time, what we've gotten really good at is high-speed, highly scalable collection of data. So we have public Augur instances available that have over 100,000 repositories in them. And we're pretty systematic about how we collect it and validate that data. That's what Augur is, I think, good at. And like, like Remore Lab, we've gone through, I think, three major refactorings over those seven years. You learn things, you realize you could have done it better. When we got to the high-speed collection that we do now about maybe two years ago, I guess it's about two years ago now, we re-engineered everything to use RabbitMQ for queuing data so we can have a lot of things stacked up and we just keep going and going and going like the Energizer bunny of open source metrics data collection. But that's the summary of Augur. I will leave it at that for now. Thank you, Sean, for introducing Augur. From my recollection of how Augur started was we wanted to create queries against the GitHub archive data set and start producing some metrics we kept hearing about. And then Augur evolved from those few SQL statements into a full-blown system. Yeah, that's true. The, the original, originally, we did no data collection. It was all about Git archive and actually use some ghtorrent data as well. Maybe it was ghtorrent, you're right. Either way, we did not collect data at the beginning, and that's what we're good at now. Yeah, so what data sources does Augur currently 
support? We have platform support for GitHub and GitLab. We have commit analysis support for any Git repository. And working with Yahoo, Yahoo and I'll talk next month in some detail with Daniel and probably start to incorporate Giddy data as well. And I think I would contrast that with Grimoire that also collects Slack data and Discord data and many, many data sources that are not Git platform directed. So I'm curious, what is the, the design choice to really focus on GitHub and GitLab right now? Well, it's where most of open source lives. And we've already got a really great tool in the Chaos Project called Percival, which is one of the Grimoire Lab tools that can collect data from, well, just about any place that open source developers might communicate. And because we have Percival, I haven't seen any real reason to make Augur do all of the things Percival does. And if Augur were to include that data, I think it would be built on top of Percival. We wouldn't do all that work to collect all those sources on our own. That would seem redundant. Yeah, fair enough. Let's talk more about building on top of chaos software. And I call on Yahui, who has built OSS Compass on top of Grimoire Lab. Yahui, can you introduce what the goal with OSS Compass was and how you got to where you are today? Like two years ago, after I joined in Chaos, started working with the machine, with, with Gelk and the Chaos metrics, because we have a lot of good metrics definitions already. And we have two excellent tools exist there, Grimlab and Augur. And we do find that those metrics kind of independent with each other. So that's why we initialized a new working group called Metrics Model Working Group. The sort of thing that making us use the story to group up several metrics into a metrics model to describe a user story to achieve a goal for the different personnel like community manager or maintainers to solve some problem. That's the initial idea. So after we set up a bunch of good metrics model together with other chaotics, we found that we do lack of something to out-of-box solution to provide those users to use metrics model. So that's when we start thinking, why don't we just create a SaaS platform to help users to do so? So that's why we choose start thinking to build OS's Compass. And so far, so we mentioned that uh, we based on the metrics model definitions in chaos and also based on the backend and provided by Grimlab, we create a SaaS platform called OSS Compass. That Compass SaaS platform solution, just to solve the people that they don't need to set up their own tools, infrastructure, and to collect the data, to analysis data, all they need to do just to provide GitHub or Getty project URL. In that search box, you can finally get the final analysis inside report based on the metrics model provided by Chaos. And we also provide a bunch of visualization upon that. So all we want to do just to give those users a very instant and convenient way to use metrics model produced from Chaos. Yeah, thank you, you. One of the things that you mentioned is you're building on top of Gitty. And 
The Gitchi, I believe, is a very dominantly used in China and Asia, and yeah, you have to that, adopt the Chaos software for it. What has your experience been like for that? Yeah, before we integrate Gitchi into GroomLab, we found GroomLab already supports like tens of data sources like GitHub, GitLab, and Slack, something like that. But as you mentioned, a lot of people from China, we are using code platform called Gitty. It holds up lots of created new open source projects, like 200 million open source projects exist currently in Gitty, that platform. So we do need to provide such data source accesses. And when we check in with GrimLab component, as we know that GrimLab provide Perceval as a data source collection component and they use another, some other component to do the data analysis, like enrich part, low clean part. And we provide a plug-in solutions that make it flexible to add a new data sources access to be integrated into the GrimLab. So based on that thinking, we created our Gitty data collection component at a single plugin of the GrimLab and make it flexible to be integrated into GrimLab finally and to make it accessible. And because Gitty, the whole REST API structure is similar with GitHub and GitLab, it's very convenient for us to implementation on that part. And also GrimLab provide a very hierarchy a data source analysis layers, like collection, sorting how to handle the identity and also provide some other component to do the data analysis. So it's very easy for us to integrate Gitty component into that part. I have a question for you, Yahui. So when you said you had hundreds of millions of repositories hosted on Gitty. Is this like one instance or do you have to search across many different instances? I was curious if you could speak about the yeah, landscape. Like, you know, we have a message bus. We're actually using Rapid MQ, like Shane mentioned, using Augur. We make it like batch exercise and data handling to make it data handling in parallel to make it available for multiple projects in the data analysis and the process in parallel. And currently, we, honestly speaking, we are not covering all the projects in the Gitty because, as I mentioned, it's like 200 million projects. We currently just select a very healthy or, or multiple projects, like 100,000 projects existing in Gitty and uh, process no data on the OSS Compass. Well, one thing I might add for clarification is Giddy is a Git platform similar to GitHub and GitLab. And OSS Compass is the metrics and metrics modeling tool that Yahoo is talking about. I have a question. What do y'all, and you might have mentioned this and I missed it, but what do y'all use for your visualization? Like what is, like how are you visualizing your data? Actually, we don't use some Kibana things provide originally from open search dashboard. We are just using it as a prototype as beginning, but we use some front end technology to rebuild the whole visualizations. And we using a lot of you know, good collaborators like uh, eCharts to help us to create such beautiful graph and visualizations. 
What and so is eCharts another Elasticsearch? Is that a part of Elasticsearch or is that separate? No, it's a it's Apache open source project called oh, eCharts. Cool. Maybe we can put a link to it in the chat or in the show notes for the audience to also check out. As we are talking about cool tools, we're happy to share those. And now seems like a good time to transition and talk about probably your work on 8Knot. And the, Sean said you're building visualizations, beautiful visualizations on top of Augur. Yeah. I'll give a little bit of some context. So the project 8Knot is under a larger project that we call Project Aspen. And so one of the branches is 8Knot, which is our dashboard that is built in Plotly Dash, which is a Python package and that's their own community right there. And then we have the other branches we call Repel, which is our open research and just research that we're doing on open source communities. Both of these at this point use Augur as our data source. So quickly, I'll kind of go through what Propel is and what we're working on right now. And so we're using Augur data to be able to map open source ecosystems and trying to see how different projects are interconnected, trying to understand how the movement between projects, between incredibly active contributors and things like that. And so we've been doing a lot of research on the WASM ecosystem to be able to test out some of those different strategies. And so now we'll go over to 8Knot, which is much more of the focus here. So 8Knot, we use the Augur database as our um, data source. Since it is a Postgres database, it makes it incredibly easy for us to be able to build visualizations on top of. The motivation behind making this project in general was taking a data science approach to analyzing open source communities. And so I took practices that I saw from data analysis and other areas and started to kind of, I took that and applied it to open source communities. And so we have built out 8Knot to be very templated. So for data scientists, they can only need to understand a very small subset of the code to be able to build visualizations. And that community managers or other people who are very informed about communities can go and submit their visualizations or just questions that they have about communities around data. And so that person who has the question about communities and the person who is building those visualizations, those don't have to be the same people. And you don't need to be both. You can. But I honestly think that the development process is better whenever there's multiple people involved because you can really start to get some more complex visualization and whatever the best ideas truly come from. And so we also have kind of the more DevOps side of that. And James Kungstel is the person who has been spearheading that. And it has been absolutely phenomenal to see how that has developed to where we're able to visualize some of the largest communities worth of data and they can load and populate all of these visualizations in a matter of minutes. So some of the visualizations that we've been working on lately that I'm really excited about is looking like contributor heat maps. And so we're looking at activity around different parts of the code base. And so you can look at this as what are the contributors that have contributed to these portions of the code base? How long has it been since they've been active in the community? 
So you can see where that knowledge retention is there, looking at it from a viewer standpoint as well, and looking at it as just overall activity on those files. So I'm trying to think if I've, there's anything else that I should cover. I'll see. Sean, is there anything that you think would be helpful that I haven't mentioned? I think the biggest utility that uh, Eight Nut offers is with the Dash Plotly technology that underlies it. Adding new visualizations is, as I've recently learned, pretty easy, actually, compared to all of the web dev work that had to go into the visualizations we created before. And from that perspective, I think it's a very, very powerful tool that's pretty mature in a sense that you can use it. And there's a lot that can happen with it yet that will be pretty exciting to participate in. Yeah, that kind of goes off of a good thing to note is that we've actually templated out making a new visualization so that people can come in and make any of the visualizations they like, as well as being able, we have a hosted instance of 8Knot that is connected to an Augur database that we maintain, but it's also, you can fork this project, you can have visualizations that are specific towards your community or your company's needs and have that on top of your own Augur instance. And that can be completely its own. All you have to do is put those Augur credentials into the env list of that instance and you have your own instance to visualize things that you want. Because one thing that we are pretty, we're set on at this moment at least, is that our hosted instance, we won't have any individual identifiable information. We have some stuff commented in and out on some of those visualizations that would be, we could see being useful to know what those contributors are, but on our specific hosted instance, we're not putting those names or logins on on straight off the bat. I think a good example of this is we have some visualizations that look at issue or PR assignment. And so you can see what type of contributors have the most amount of assignment. And so at this point, we have that as a merchant ID, which is more or less a hash. But if you fork your own instance of 8Knot, you just have to uncomment one line of code and then that's a login instead of a hash value. Kelly, I actually have a question. It looks, yeah. it's really interesting. It's kind of like any people, I mean, the users of a node could customize the visualization based on the data provided by Augur database, right? Yes. Oh, really cool. I was just going to put eight not in chat. So then if anybody on the call just started poking around on it, have any questions that come from that? Some of the visualizations that I've described, I we haven't publicly hosted them yet. Those will probably come in the next day or so. I'm being overhopeful, probably right after Thanksgiving. Another big thing that has come up recently that have has we really appreciate using Augur is now being able to do bot filtering on GitHub. Now GitHub has labels for most of their bots as long as you make them as an action. And that's more and more becoming heavily used more so than programming like an, a user to be automated to handle more bot-like activity. And so with the data that we get from Augur, we're now able to filter all of our visualizations to exclude bot data. And that's just a filter that the user can choose whether it's on or off. That's really cool. Ecosystem level analysis, I think, is becoming more and more important. And we see that in our work as well, because we see more and more the interrelationship of projects within the ecosystem that they live in. And we have this software supply chain 
where software is not built from scratch. It's using a lot of components and libraries that themselves depend on components and libraries. And being able to analyze that whole ecosystem as a whole is becoming more and more important, especially as we want to secure the supply chain, need to understand what's going on, potentially where the bad actors are. What are some of the goals that you have had for analyzing the ecosystem? Yeah, I'd say that this is something that definitely has been a large interest to Red Hat is understanding how projects that are in a similar ecosystem are related to one another. And that can go between trying to see, okay, if there's multiple projects that have the similar solution, you can start to see how they're connected. You also can go and look at project velocity. And that's actually on the chaos page on 8Knot. And starting to see, okay, how are they connected? How is their growth compared to one another to understand their relationships? The one thing that I've really found useful is starting to see how different ecosystems transition to one another. So like Wasm is a new technical ecosystem, but has come from other ones that are more like heavily used in industry. But starting to see the transitions of, okay, so from one of those major contributors from more well-established communities, where are they going? Are they, what is the relationship between heavy contributors, people who are incredibly active in one community or the other, and are they opening issues in another community? And so does that imply some type of user relationship between two projects? That's something that's been really useful to me. And so I would say overall, Red Hat is really just trying to be able to understand how communities are related and how ecosystems are related to be able to make better decisions around what communities we invest in. That is super awesome. I look forward to all the new visualizations, which you said you'll be releasing here shortly within the next two weeks. So by the time this episode gets published, I'm sure you might already have gotten to it. Oh yeah, definitely. All of those are on our dev instance. Those have all been merged. We just need to get their hosted instance brought up to speed. Yeah. Let's shift gears and focus on Mystic. Mike, you have also built on top of Chaos Software. What have you done? Yeah. So Mystic is a piece of software that we've been prototyping. It's So it's a prototype piece of software that we have built on both Grimoire Lab and Augur at this point. And in some ways, we're actually hoping to better integrate those projects together through some of our work, through developing better integrations with the tools like Percival. Yes, Percival is the data collection piece. Yeah. The loyal knight that goes out at the bequest of King Arthur to collect the data from the wild and bring it back into the castle. As someone that lives in England and south of Wales, I feel like my King Arthur knowledge should be greater than what it is. So the idea of this software is we kind of have a few different goals. First of all, we view it as a front end for many of these data collection systems in a similar way to 8Knot. It visualizes a lot of this stuff and in the same similar way to how OSS Compass is doing data visualization as like a software as a service kind of offering. We're hoping to do a similar thing 
But our target audience is a little bit different. So as an academic institution, we are really interested in understanding the impact and sustainability of academic contributions to technology, research, and the rest of the world. So many researchers and academics produce software, data sets, and other types of artifacts and release them under open licenses. And then many of those projects go on to be co-developed in this sort of peer-to-peer, commons-based method that we see in open source software. However, in academia, much of this work is almost considered invisible in many ways. Not for everyone. Some have been very adept using that to create an academic career out of. I think Sean is an amazing example of this. Yeah. Just because I used Augur for my full professor promotion case. (laughs) (laughs) You know, definitely the star student, I would say, in chaos tooling for academic uh, promotions. So when we think about building Mystic, we actually, one of our primary use cases is developing a tool where researchers and faculty at universities can measure the community health of the projects that they're developing and maintaining and in some ways also measure academic impact of those through a number of metrics and then be able to easily export that in tenure and promotion cases so they can be rewarded for that alongside their other scholarly work like publishing in top journals and presenting at conferences. This is really where our focus Mystic is. And so where we see our contribution is not just the development of like a similar user interface that can show you graphs and metrics, allow you to easily collect data and so on, but also expand the notion of the sources where academic artifacts are published. And this is where our work with expanding data sources come in, thinking about uh, how oftentimes software is only a small piece of a larger community in academic work and how researchers and faculty might be collaborating on other platforms, especially when we think about integration with like data sets, stuff like that. I think from a chaos perspective, I, th- I think it's useful to point out that we have a university working group and we're probably going to be restarting the scientific and research software working group as well. And these two working groups really center on the kinds of questions that I think Mike and the team at RIT are trying to ask or answer with Mystic. Question. Mystic, actually, you just mentioned that you integrate GroomLab and Augur into this one solution. I'm kind of curious, like, which part of the, this two component are being integrated into? Because these tools provide some part of them kind of provide the similar functions. So how do you choose those parts into your solutions? Great question. I think it's important to say that we are integrating. So much of this work is either in a very early stage progress or scheduled to be started hopefully very soon. When we think about some of the first ways that we can integrate these together, one idea that we have is integrating the data collection services that are used in Grimoire Lab to also support being integrated into Augur. One thing that we have encountered with having much of our staff working on our software are undergraduate students who come on for a semester. And the scope of the work has to be very narrow. 
And so we try to keep the software stack of the projects that they're working on as simple as possible. And in that way, we found Augur's use of just a simple relational database to fit well within the curriculum that our students are learning about software programming. So if we can better integrate data sources into Augur, we can kind of expand some of the capabilities there by allowing metrics that maybe pull across many different data sources while still maintaining what is reasonable for a undergraduate student to work on. So Mike, one of the things you said is you want to really support that open research and there's more work than just what is happening in open source happening at the university. How do you bring those in and relate that in Mystic? Yeah. So one of the first pieces of research that we've done regarding Mystic was an interview study with faculty across all different departments within our university. So we spoke with, obviously, faculty from computer science and security and you know, within our College of Computing. But we also spoke with faculty from hard sciences, such as like physics and life sciences. We spoke with faculty who are in the arts and humanities. And pretty much what we found was universally across all these different disciplines, these people are creating artifacts as a part of their research. But in those artifacts were often, were almost always digital and they were hosted online in some ways, but oftentimes in different places and what collaboration meant to them was pretty significantly different, right? When you are collaborating on creating a piece of video journalism, you have things like Be Real and individual interviews and transcripts and notes of synthesizing that data. And then you have sometimes have structured databases of various events and things that have happened online. And then oftentimes all these things are brought together into a single presentation. And that's on top of the existing communication channels that are used to you know coordinate things, whether it's project management or an online chat platform like Slack or IRC or something like that. So when thinking about this case of allowing a system to support all these different disciplines, one of the main things that we're trying to work on through this research is to define more generalized models and notions of collaboration that can be applied to many different data sources. And hopefully in some ways that we could collect trace data from a place like GitHub and also collect trace data from a place like maybe like Zenodo or OSF that's more focused on publishing and data hosting and be able to compare some of that and use it on top of each other in a way that makes sense and is still reasonable. Yeah, I'm excited to see where you take this work. And I understand there's still a lot of work to do. <laughs> it's a long roadmap. So don't expect any revolutionary things to happen in the next six months. But we are excited and we, are, we do have some cool things coming up, I think, that we can't talk about just like yet. Yeah, changing the the whole academic recognition system is going to take a while. <laughs> Big order. It's a generational change. Our great-grandchildren will value the work that you did, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think I'll be retired by then. Sometimes change goes faster. Sometimes we just need a catalyst event and suddenly things are changing. And it's good to have these things prepared and ready to go and ideas brewing. And so 
for Mike, Kali, and Yehui, thank you so much for all the work you are doing in the chaos software-related work. You are bringing more perspectives to the chaos project and helping us build better software. It is now time in this podcast where we move on to value ads, where we share something that has brought value, joy, or meaning to our life recently. And for me, I have discovered a slogan, mantra, one day at a time. And focusing on one day at a time is helping me to better stay present in the moment what happened yesterday, all those worries and thoughts, I can say, well, that happened yesterday. I cannot change it anymore. What about tomorrow? Worrying about what will be. Well, there are some things I need to prepare for and certain obligations. But then if I can't do anything about it right now, then I don't have to focus on that right now. So one day at a time is helping me stay in the moment, in the present. And I pass it on to Kali. Yeah, I'd say my value add from this week was getting to do a Friendsgiving, which for people who aren't in the U.S., Thanksgiving is usually spent with biological family. And then there's a lot of Friendsgivings that kind of come around that where it's just a group of friends that share a large meal together. And I've recently become a part of a larger community and city that I live in in Somerville, Massachusetts, and kind of started around everyone playing volleyball. And now we're doing Friendsgivings together and people are sharing their foods from all the different cultures that our people are involved are from. You had homemade like naan all the way to lasagna, like everything under the sun. And so it was a really special day to be a part of. I'll pass it off to Sean. Yeah, thanks, Callie. I love Friendsgiving. Of course, that's the American holiday of Thanksgiving, which is coming up a week from today that we're recording it anyway. And of course, my favorite stuffed animal is a Thanksgiving turkey. But, and that will bring me joy in a week. But today I am very excited about the launch of Moonlighting, a 1980s television program starring Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard, where Bruce Willis has pithy little quotes like, do bears bear, do bees bee, and things like that. It's a very, it's a very funny classic television show. It's hilarious to see them having to use pay phones because they don't have cell phones in their pocket. From a technology evolution perspective, it has a whole new level for me. So that's what brings me joy. And I'll pass it to you, Hui. I'm not having Thanksgiving Day recently being in China, but we have Chinese New Year, even have two months later. So by the end of this year, we haven't have a big holiday so far. So just the weekend. But uh, recently, because in China, especially in Southeast China, and uh, it's become cold because it's also in winter. And every day I, I ride my bicycle to work and also walk off like 10 kilometers along. So actually it's cold, but I really enjoy such uh, on my way to the work. And when I'm when I riding my bicycle, I could be thinking something. Quite quietly in the morning, the traffic is quite highway, but um, I can feel quiet. And uh, I had similar feelings when I swimming in the pool. It's a really strange feeling, but it make me peaceful. So let's try that. And pass it for Michael. Yeah, I too am a fan of the morning commute 
like peacefulness. So I can definitely get on board with that, Yahweh. For me, I guess one thing that has been bringing value to me all week is I've been attending what is called the Turing Way Book Dash. So for those who don't know, the Turing Way is a community project and kind of handbook around open science, reproducibility in open academic work and all sorts of amazing open source stuff. It's a really amazing international community of people all around trying to develop essentially like the best ways of working together as academics, scientists, and people who are interested in this sort of stuff. And it's almost entirely volunteers. So you get people from all different backgrounds and disciplines and places working together. And the Book Dash is essentially a week-long event where people kind of are hoping to maybe write a section in the book or run a project along with it or do editing. So this week, I'm working on a section for the care principles for data hosting, which is a essentially a set of principles for working with data related to indigenous populations. So yeah, it's always cool, like finally getting dedicated time to work with a cool community of people who you like working with on a project that you think is really interesting. So I think that is it, right? I'm the last one, I believe. You certainly ended this round beautifully. It is time to say thank you, Yehui, Kali, Mike, and Sean for being on this episode today. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, your chaos community. <laughs>